Well, you've almost made it to the end, and I congratulate all of you for hanging in there. Our numbers have dwindled, but we're the few and the proud, like, like tech fans. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day, this gift that you've given to your church to come to set aside a day from our worldly affairs and to worship you. Father, we pray that you would open our minds to understand your word, our own hearts, and the sin that lies therein, and help us to uh, root out the evil that's there and fill us with hope that comes because of Christ. Remind us we're filled with the Spirit, and therefore we have the power to do this work. So help us to work well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Engaging anger. Oh, yeah. Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're thinking, wow. Um, I'm going to really feel the prick this time. Last time, I really didn't, I don't have really have much fear in my life. So Thomas's lesson really didn't affect me, but ooh, anger, mm, this is going to be me. And others of y'all are thinking, anger is not a problem for me. Well, um, we're going to call anger your most dangerous emotion. Because the authors would say, hold on now, I think we all have a problem with anger. So we're going to assume that we have a problem until we find out that we either do, or you, you rest assured that, oh, anger's not a big issue in my life. So last week we talked about fear. That was the most common emotional struggle. But scripture deals with anger as the most dangerous emotion because anger can harness such enormous energy and it has the capacity to vastly reduce the darkness of our broken world by righting wrongs and protecting the things that are good. But it can wreak vast destruction, so we need to be careful. Here's the problem. Anger wants things done now. Fast, right? If we struggle with anger, we'll find it hard to slow down and listen. So the authors would say, hold on. When, when you're reading the book, they say, hold on. You're going to read this book too fast if you have a problem with anger. So slow down. So today we're going to slow down. And we're going to start with the assumption that our anger is a bigger problem in our life than we think. So this is how the authors start off the chapter. So the first question, of course, is, well, what in the world is anger? The Latin, it comes from the Latin word ango. Anybody know what ango means? I did not. It means to choke or to strangle. Oh, well, now the word is kind of becoming more clear as to what it means. So, anger says, this is wrong. It is fundamentally a moral emotion. In fact, we could say it is the moral emotion to to judge and say, this thing is wrong and it must be dealt with. Our, our noble friend, Noah Webster, long ago said this about anger. Anger is a violent passion of the mind excited by a real or supposed injury, usually accompanied with a propensity to take vengeance or to obtain satisfaction from the offending party. This passion, however, varies in degrees of violence and ingenious minds may be attended only with a desire to reprove or chide the offender. So 
Some nice people might say, might get angry and just want to chide you. Others might want to choke you. Um, it is excited by an injury offered to a relation, friend, or party to which one is attached. And some degrees of it may be excited by cruelty, injustice, or oppression offered to those with whom one has no immediate connection. So in other words, I can be angry for stuff you do to me. I can be angry for stuff you do to people I love and know. And I can be angry in general, based on general principles, about what you do to people I don't even know. So there's our working definition, we can say, of, of anger. Something I love is being treated unjustly. That is the core of my anger. Anger is right to say that some things are terribly wrong, yet such anger, like all emotions, flows from love. And here we get this strange dichotomy. Anger and, and love intermingled. I'm only angry when something I love is getting harmed. That is why there is such a thing as good anger. And we're going to read some Bible verses. While it's counterintuitive to most of us, the author says the Bible actually presents God himself as the angriest character in all of Scripture. God is the angriest character in all of Scripture. Yet he is the angriest precisely because he is also the most loving character in all of Scripture. See how those two go together? God is the most angriest character in Scripture because he's the most loving character in all of Scripture. To love deeply is to be deeply angry when your loved ones are victims of injustice. So love, anger, anger spilling over into hatred, all these things are kind of intertwined. Um, so let's look at scripture. Let's look at, who, who has their Bible? Thomas. Would you read Exodus 34, 5 through 6? And would you read Numbers 11, 1 through 3? We're going to talk about God and anger first. Who has a Bible over there? Mary Leith, if you'll do Numbers 11, 10. And I need somebody over here to read 2 Samuel 6, 7. Go for it. I love it. All right, Thomas. God is the most loving character of the Bible. And he says this. Okay, he's slow to anger. That does not mean he does not have anger, but he's slow to it. And this is, this is very interesting when the first thing God talks about himself as being is slow to anger. Okay, how about Numbers 11, 1 through 3? So these people are the people of Israel. They're complaining about all the wonderful stuff they had in Egypt as slaves. And they don't have all that great stuff now. And they complain. And God gets angry at their complaining. Now, if he's the most loving character, what is his anger in this moment? What is he loving in this moment? 
He's loving his people and he's seeing his people do very wrong things by complaining about his providence. All right, Numbers 11, 10. Ooh, the anger of the Lord blazed hotly. That whatever that is, that ain't good. Okay, all right. Second Samuel six seven. Uh, yeah. What was, what was the issue there? What was God loving in that moment? His, whose holiness? His holiness. Is there anything better to love in the universe than God and His holiness? No. And so His anger burns hotly because Uzzah thought that the dirty ground was a worse thing to touch the ark than his dirty, defiled hands. And his sinful heart. All right, let's look at different aspects of this anger real fast. Let's let's look at Psalm six one. Would you look up Psalm six one? Oh, and would you look up Psalm seven six? Let's see some contrasting ideas, maybe. Oh, John, you're here. Good. I had questions all saved up for you. <laughs> Psalm six one and Psalm seven six. Go ahead. Okay, David is crying out, have mercy on me, Lord. Don't deal with me in your anger. He's assuming he's done something wrong and he deserves anger. Lord, don't give me that. All right, go ahead. Uh, Psalm 7-6. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake from me, you have appointed a judgment. So, for himself, David says, Lord, don't deal with me in anger. But for his enemies, he's very happy for God to deal with them in anger, right? Uh, I love that. I think it's great. All right, let's look at Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot of fantastic general principles when dealing with anger. We could have gone on and on. I just picked some. Proverbs, I'll do these in order, unlike Thomas. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Proverbs 15.1 A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, Proverbs 15.18 A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 16, 32, in the next chapter. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So being slow to anger and having self-control have something to do with one another. Uh, Proverbs 19, 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. What's another name for that? Overlooking an offense. Someone has sinned against you. Forgiveness. 
cover the sin, right? Right? It is glory to cover a sin. In other words, you don't have to make a big deal out of every one of them. Maybe because it starts to eat you up, but we'll talk about that later. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. Hmm. Choosing our friends wisely. And last for now, Proverbs 29, 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Oh. Well, those, those make you feel better, don't they? All right, the opposite of love is not hate, but what? Indifference. Very good. Wow. Did you write this? Apathy. Mm. I, when I, the first time I read this chapter, I stopped at that sentence, and I was like, I'm going to have to think about that for a little bit. And the more I thought about it, the more convicted I got. That that's true. That's true. The opposite of love is apathy. If I love something and something bad happens to it, I get angry and I start to fight for that thing. But if I don't love that thing, I don't care. I don't care what happens to it. If something bad happens to it, well, I mean, that's your bad luck right there. Um, that was very convicting, that sentence. So anger at its best communicates protective love for what God loves. Anger at its worst conveys unadulterated self-interest. So anger at its worst is all about what you love. Anger at its best is all about what God loves. The devil's great hope is that we will, in return of the Jedi, what did, what did Darth Vader want what Luke to do? Give in to your anger. Remember that? Thankfully, God's great gift is the transforming work of His Spirit where He kindly changes our very hearts so we grow in love for Him and for our neighbor in ways that allow love-driven anger to bear redemptive fruit. The Spirit changes my heart, affects the things I love, aligns the things I love with the things that God loves, and now God's anger is my anger because we're both angry at the same thing. But that's the work of the Spirit. There is... However, a grave difference between a love-filled person who gets angry at a particular injustice and a person who is simply angry all the time. Anybody? Y'all know anybody that just seems to be angry all the time? While there is indeed much to be angry about in our world, anger should not perpetually dominate your emotional landscape. Should not. Not. Like, stop and think, right? We're supposed to be stopping and thinking, what am I feeling right now? And if you say, I feel anger, okay. And then later you're like, well, what am I feeling right now? Oh, I feel anger. Oh, you might have an anger problem, 
right? The author already told us, we do have an anger problem. Hopefully you're being convinced maybe you do have an anger problem. I have a song, I sang it today. It's called, That's What a Turn Signal's For. And I sing it to the morons in front of me <laughs> who stop for no reason and then they turn, and then they turn right. I, the closer I get to church, the less I have to sing the song. I'm like, because mm. it's a quick drive to church. You wrote this song? I wrote it in my head. That's what a turn signal's for. And I just sing it out because I'm usually all by myself. I sang it this morning. Hmm. Anger should not dominate your emotional landscape. Angry people tend to be highly tuned to the failing of others and are quick to offer or enact correction, whether through a timid anger offering subtle criticisms. Do we have a name for that? Passive aggressive. I'm, I'm not that way. And people that are that way drive me crazy. It's like, just tell me what you mean, man. Right? Or a more brazen approach raises its voice and bangs on the table. Angry people constantly send messages to those around them, don't cross my will or you'll face the consequences. Anger's instinct is to punish and attack whatever or whomever it perceives as wrong. It is what makes angry people unpleasant to be around. Hmm. To make matters worse, angry people almost never know that they are angry people. And that makes sense, right? I'm angry because something is going wrong with something I love. Who has the moral high ground? I do. I'm angry for a good reason, y'all. And therefore, I feel good about my anger. And I don't have an anger problem. Hmm. I'm right when, and you're wrong. When you feel deeply right, it's extremely difficult to step back and say, maybe I am the problem here. Isn't what that the, the whole log in your eye thing was about when Jesus said that? Right? Was there a speck in the brother's eye? Yes. Did that speck need to be addressed? Yes. I have the moral high ground. We got to go deal with that speck over there. Look at that. Look at that speck. Look at that speck in that eye. That makes me angry. Speck in eyes. With the log in my eye, right? This, this is the problem with angry people, is we don't know that we're angry people. And we don't even know that we're angry. How many people do you know like this? Those who live in a regular state of anger, feeling morally superior and punishing those who disagree, end up driving people away. And the angry person stands alone, at the center of a relational circle of scorched earth. Alone in their principles. You know some alone in your principles, people? People feel nervous in the presence of anger. They pull back for fear of critique or judgment or attack. And this, in turn, irritates the angry person who feels abandoned and unfairly judged, which only makes acquaintances pull back all the more. And now we have a cycle, a scorched earth cycle of angry people. So, 
The fundamental question in our anger is this. Is our anger constructively serving God's merciful and redemptive purposes? Here's the question we should be asking ourselves. Or, or is it destructively serving our own selfish agenda? I didn't write that up there. Anger is never content to sit idle. When self-control and wisdom restrain it, they do it with great difficulty. When anger can't find an outlet, perhaps the one who has harmed you is dead now, or you feel that no one would believe you if you spoke up, or you'd lose face if you made an issue of the offense. That anger naturally ferments into bitterness, depression, shame, but thankfully, this is not inevitable if we engage our anger vigorously with the Lord. Thus, the reason why we are talking about engaging anger. So let's do that. Let's engage this emotion. So we've all been through this before. What are our, what are our four steps? Anyone? The four steps to engaging emotions? Oh, what? O is the first one. Oh, oh, I'm having an emotion. And what is that emotion? Identify, good. All right, so it's I, X, Eva. I, X, Eva is how I got I to gotta remember crap. I got to remember everything like this. I, X, Eva. So identify, examine, evaluate, act, right? I, X, Eva. It's not good, but it works. So, identifying anger. Okay, identify anger. Wow. All right. What does anger look like? Physically, what does anger look like? Bulging eyeballs. Bulging eyeballs. The vein in the neck. Comes out. The vein in the neck. Yeah. I, like the teeth, are teeth are gritted. Not good for teeth. <laughs> anyone, everyone have a friend that has a big vein in their forehead? And you see the big vein, you're like, oh. Yep. Uh, quickened breath, flushed face, tensed muscles. What are fists looking like? They're all balled up. Long-term use of this? Yes. Yes. You could be overly nice. It's a, it's a happy song. <laughs> it's very happy. Yes. Thanks, Kelly. I, I was, I was feeling bad enough. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's true. And long term, this is going to lead to, physically, this is going to lead to what? High blood pressure, di- headaches, 
heart attacks, digestive issues, right? All right, how about, um, so would we agree that our anger is rarely righteous? Let me just talk for myself. My anger is rarely righteous, even my little songs. Most of what I identify when I'm angry is ugly. So, if you catch normal sinful anger red-handed, what will you hear? We're trying to identify, am I angry or not? As if we really need to do this. But what are we going to hear? Excuses. An angry person. How do we know someone's angry? Last night, I was showing my wife the baby turkeys. And I created all these pins. Everyone's super happy. Ten baby turkeys. And yelling and screaming goes on about 100 yards through the woods, followed by the sound of a firearm going off. And I was like, let's get back inside. And we did. And then like 30 seconds later, um, the sheriff's department is going crazy flying down the road. I'm like, what is going on over there? Yelling and screaming. and Yelling and screaming. Th that was the answer to the question. What are we going to hear? Firearms. Firearms going off, you know. <laughs> Critical words, right? Not nice words. What, what might you see in the presence of anger? Like if you were to look around the room, what, what might you see? Chaos. Chaos, tension, dishes might be broken. <laughs> Things might be, people might be bruised. Right? Or you see maybe a dish that's very, like, too clean. Too clean. Too, so we have too nice and we have too clean. So if we zoom out from the angry person and look around the people in the room, what do we see? Sad. Sad. Fear. Exhaustion. Exhaustion. Confusion. Confusion. Good. <clears throat> more, anger. more anger right now you've made those people angry and now we have this vicious cycle going on right um, so let's let's look at Matthew as we think about what what does this all look like Matthew 5 so Jesus is blowing people's minds with the stuff he's saying on this mountain and people are are going to be confused afterwards. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. I, I love, the if you go through the Beatitudes and think, do these, is this the opposite of, of anger? You're like, wow, it is. But that's not what we're going to talk about. Um, so before we get to, you have heard that, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, everyone who looks on a woman lustful has already committed adultery. Before that one, we, get to, we deal with anger. So Matthew 5, 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, Jesus said, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And that's nice because, I mean, I haven't ever murdered a human, and so I can just check this box on the sixth commandment and move on. No, no, Jesus says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry 
with his brother will be liable to judgment. So, the Old Testament said, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Now Jesus throws in, no, 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 everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. What, what commandment deals with murder? Joseph. Joseph said the Sixth Commandment. So the larger catechism, question 136, what sins are forbidden in the Sixth Commandment? Of course, taking away the life of others, yes. Unless, of course, you know, public executions and all that kind of stuff, right? Or the neglecting of the way that we keep people alive, yes, yes, yes. But the first thing after what would normally come to mind is sinful anger. But listen to all these other things that go along with sinful anger. Hatred, envy, desire of revenge, all excessive passions, provoking words, oppression, quarreling, striking, wounding. These are all sins that are breaking the Sixth Commandment, and they're all tied together with anger. Because um, Jesus is like, if you're angry, it's like you're committing murder. If you're angry wrongly. So, you might say, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. I'm not angry. I'm just really irritated right now. I'm not angry at you. I'm just annoyed by you. <laughs> right? Well, the authors say, well, these things are anger. Um, Frustration, irritation, annoyance, or anger. And frustration is really anger in its adolescence. In other words, it's not quite grown yet. But if you stay that way, it's going to lead to anger. Um, okay, so we've evaluated it. No, we, we've identified it. I am angry. I'm frustrated. I'm making little songs. I'm annoyed. I'm irritated. I'm angry. Okay. That was identifying it. What are we going to do? Let's examine it. Why am I angry? This should be the first thing. Why am I angry? Now, hopefully, hopefully the, the answer is I am angry because God is angry at that thing. And maybe he's going to use me to go deal with it like it should be dealt with. That would be the right response to why am I angry. Um, and so we say I'm angry because... Right? This is the first question we should ask. Why am I angry? I am angry. Great. Why are you angry? What wrong am I perceiving? So if we're having trouble putting words on the injustice that we feel, what are we attacking? What, or what do we want to attack? Whatever we lash out against is either the thing we are angry at or it's very close. Maybe another helpful question is, what is the outcome of my anger? Is it going to serve God's purpose or my purpose? That might help me as I, as I examine this thing. Um, am I trying to escape from this? Am I like, ooh, uh, I, see, I see the vein. I'm going to walk this way. Um, niceness can mask anger. That's kind of what you were getting to earlier. Um, so, 
In examining our anger, we want to figure out what kind of judgment are we passing. Once we know what we're mad at and why, then we can begin to discern how valid it is and begin to think redemptively about how to handle it. Okay, so I've identified the fact I am angry. I've, I've asked myself why I'm angry. I'm trying to get to the point that now I can evaluate it. Why am I angry? What purpose is it serving? What wrong am I perceiving? What is the outcome of my anger, right? Now I can ask those questions and evaluate this thing. Is my moral judgment valid? Am I upset about what God is upset about? Here's, here's the first question with evaluating it. Hopefully the answer is yes. If so, question number two, how will I seek redemptive justice and avoid the temptation to exact destructive vengeance? Ah, so I might be angry at what God's angry at, but I might respond the wrong way. So that's why these two things go together. So we must be careful not to rush straight from evaluating something around you as wrong to unsheathing the sword. Instead, when our anger does have a healthy seed, we must also evaluate if the response that our anger is urging is healthy as well. So here we start to do a little heart surgery and start to get down to what's going on with me, right? Is there pettiness there? Is there vindictiveness there? Am I feeling self-righteous about this thing? Um... I should evaluate all the facets of my anger. Don't stop digging just because you've unearthed one genuine injustice. Just as one fossilized bone likely indicates the rest of the skeleton is nearby, expect to find bad things in your own heart and when your search turns up wrongdoing in others. So let's have an honest, open evaluation about, about this anger. Right? So evaluating my anger can spare a lot of heartache if I take the time to ask some questions like, "Mm, is this a normal normal response I usually get from this person? Maybe I'm overreacting. Let's, Let's just slow down a little bit here, right? Righteous anger is anger that aligns with God's anger is the most common when the subject of the anger is... Someone else. In other words, righteous anger is most common when I'm angry because something wrong is happening to someone else, not because something wrong is happening to me. Where do we see that principle? Back in Matthew, Jesus is going to say, if someone takes... If someone's going to sue you to take your cloak, what are you supposed to do? What? Give them another one, right? Huh, okay. But what happens if I see someone trying to take your cloak? What's my response to that? Give them another one of your cloaks? No, what am I supposed to do? I am supposed to say that is wrong. And my response in anger is to do something radically different than if they were doing the exact same thing to me. Huh, that's interesting. So this really does matter. 
what is the subject of the anger? And is my, the subject of the anger is I'm seeing something wrong happen out there, especially to people I love, and I'm, 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 I'm bringing it. Or is this something that you've done to me and you better watch out because I'm going to respond in anger? Because that one is probably sinful, whereas the other one is probably not. Um, how about Jesus? What, what is Jesus? What is Jesus, Jesus angry at? Money okay, the money changers. Wait, wait. No, no. Wasn't he angry on the cross? No anger on the cross? Oh, so something happening to Jesus. Jesus' response is not anger. Something, let's talk about the money changers. What's Jesus actually angry at? Okay, so who is the offended party? God is the offended party. Who else is, a, who else is hurt by this? The people that should be there and want to be there to pray, but there's no room for them to pray. So Jesus is angry for the sake of someone else, and then his anger is righteous. What's another time Jesus is angry? Or that Jesus is really sad. When Lazarus dies, it wasn't something that happened to Jesus. Jesus looks and says, that's wrong. That, that's wrong. And the wrong is the fact that death has some sort of power and hurts the people that he loves. That's, what, that's where emotions rise in Jesus. And, of course, that's not sinful anger he's dealing with there. All right, let's, let's look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Verse 25 and 26. So, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for your members one of another, be angry, and do not sin. Now, how do we do that? Righteous anger. And how do we know it's righteous? Yes, yes. Is it my love, or is it God's love? Or are the two aligned? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. What is, so practically speaking, what does that mean? Keep short accounts. And when, when are we supposed to be accounting? Daily. Right? I mean, I have a hard enough time going to sleep as it is. Unless I got one of them fans on. Those fans are awesome. If you, if you have trouble sleeping, go, get, go waste electricity and turn the fan on. Man, I sit there. I'm like, ooh, kind of think through the day. I'm like, ooh, I got, I got stuff I need to deal with. Sometimes I need to get up out of bed and go deal with stuff. Sometimes y'all need to get up out of bed and floss. But sometimes <laughs> y'all need to deal with stuff too. No, not John, not you, John. All right, now we're going to act. All right, so we've examined, we've evaluated it. Remember, as a rule, anger is dangerous. So, 
we need to slow down. Now, obviously, we've slowed down to identify and examine and evaluate. But now we're about to act. Now, now it's about to get real because now I'm going to act in righteous anger and I better slow down. Um, how about James? Let's look at James. James 1, 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. What does that mean? Paying attention. Something, something's going on. Tell me, tell me what's going on. Oh, okay. All right, hold that thought. Now you tell me what's going on. Okay, hold that thought. Now, what did you see? All right, this is, this is the beautiful thing about being a parent. There's always more than one side of the story. As a dentist, let your story always start with, while I was flossing. <laughs> I change stories all the time. I bit down on a peanut and the tooth broke. No, 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 no. While you were flossing, the tooth broke. See, doesn't that sound better? Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It's dangerous. Mm. And if it's not God's anger, there is no good going to come out of this. This is going to be sin. It's going to be cyclical, possibly. It's going to make you mad because you recognize now you've been wronged by my sinful anger. And now you have the right to be angry. This is going to go downhill fast. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So when we act in anger, we need to be wise. Make no mistake, action, albeit a carefully controlled and constructive, a constructive action, is the right and good goal of anger. Right? The reason why God give, gave us anger is so that we would do the right thing. If we're not angry about it, if we don't care about it, if we don't love it, we're not going to do anything. There's times where something needs to be done. Somebody needs to step up to the plate and do the right thing. The caution is we need to make sure it's the right thing that we're going to do, right? That's right. Exactly. Vengeance is whose? That's right. So, a carefully controlled and constructive action is the right and good goal of anger. Righteousness does not mean doing nothing. Once you've taken your own heart to the Lord and to your brothers and sisters as best you can, you are called to act with redemptive and merciful boldness. With the log in your own eye gone, or at least chopped up, You'll have the chance to help the person next to you with the ugly speck in his or her eye. Remember, God's anger is fiercer than yours or mine ever could be. Yet look what he does with it. He disciplines his people in order to bring us back. He rebukes in order to convict our hearts and turn us to repent. 
our God ultimately poured out his wrath on Christ, unleashing his fury without restraint one time and one time only so that those whom he is angry might be restored. True love attacks evil with vigor, and yet the attack is always a rescue mission. Our God is never bitter, petty, or cruel. Instead, his anger is always part of his larger purpose, protecting and upholding all that he loves to the praise of his glory. That's righteous anger. And one more thought. Anger's antidote. Ultimately, the best thing you can do about anger in your life is cultivate. What, what would I cultivate if I want to make sure that is not at the bottom of my anger? Yes. Humility. That's an anger. Humility empowers the healthy anger that treats others as more important than myself. Humility protects others while exposing and undercutting the unhealthy anger that enthrones me as judge from a moral high ground. We need to make sure that as we act in righteous anger, that we do so with humility. Um, remembering that maybe I don't, maybe I don't need to worry about this. If you're if your offense is against me, maybe I'll leave it to a higher judge at a higher court. Um, so, anger. Frustration, irritation, annoyance. Cute little songs in the car. All remind us that we're sinful and we're fallen. And we need God's grace. And we have our perfect example in, in the way our Father defines Himself and in the way our older brother, our Savior, lived his life in front of us of how to have right anger. Any other thoughts? That's right. That's the work of the Spirit. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've been able to spend examining our own hearts, examining your word, um, learning about you, and learning about how far we have fallen in Adam um, away from the perfect love that you have. Father, we thank you that you are slow to anger. We thank you that you are merciful. Who are we that you would have mercy on us? What, what is man that you are mindful of him? And yet, Father, we rejoice today in the grace that you have lavished upon us because the, the wrath that we rightly deserve um, was poured out on Christ for us. And what else can we do in response to that other than to worship you rightly? So help us now to prepare to do that and help us to do it. In Christ's name, amen.